Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every Every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, good day. Great to see you as ever. I told you, didn't I, just before the Welsh Open started, that Joe Perry would win the title. You know, it's nice to know I still got it. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems such an obvious pick as well. I was- accusing you of being a bit boring when you were just saying Joe Perry would win it. But, you know, it's, it was the obvious choice and it came came to fruition. <laughs> you know what? Very flippant for me. And a couple of my newer followers have been very kind of serious about that, saying, did you, when did you say it? I don't think they realise quite how irreverent I can be. But, of course, no one was saying it. And we have to be serious now and say congratulations. What a, a, a lovely story again. We are seeing a hell of a season, Phil, in terms of stories. And another big shock, fine, fine player, Joe Perry. But where did it come from? He's won the Welsh Open, beating Judd Trump 9-5 in the final. We were just saying off air, you know, that he's done very little this season at all. And as you pointed out, it's almost two seasons, really. He had no sort of form to speak of. You know, he admitted himself, you know, he thought the days of him getting to any final, certainly a big final like this were over, but he stormed to the title, beating some wonderful players along the way, beating Trump in the final, and it's it's got that fairy tale element, isn't it? I mean, he's a, he's a top player, Joe, but he said it's the biggest moment of his career by a, a country mile, and I thought it was a quite an emotional night, really, for I think everyone that cares about the game. Yeah, definitely, it was uh, with his parents there, and he spoke very movingly about how. They've supported him the whole time and his only other ranking title success was over in Thailand. They couldn't be there. And that was a big sort of regret of his that, that his, his parents hadn't got to see that. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just come out of nowhere. And his his form has really sort of, he was so consistent, wasn't he, for about 20 years. He seemed to be somewhere between number 10 and 20 in the rankings for two decades, just in, in the edge of the top 16 all the time. The last two years, yeah, it's, it's really sort of dropped off and, when you're at sort of his age, I think he's 47 now, isn't it? When when your form goes at that stage of your career, 
it starts to look kind of terminal, doesn't it, for your career? And he admitted that, didn't he? He said he thought it was coming close to the end. Um, and I don't think he'd been past the second round at all this year. And he, he made one quarterfinal last season. So it really was completely like wasteland in terms of his form. He dropped down to 42 in the world. So there was no sign of it, really. And out of nowhere, as you say, what a string of players to beat as well. Uh, Trump in the final is as difficult a task as you can be given, but Lasowski, Walden, Kyron Wilson, Mark Allen and Chow Yupeng. And that was after beating Dave Gilbert in the qualifiers, which we spoke about at the time, didn't we? We said, uh, what have they done wrong to be drawn against each other in the qualifying round? So, yeah, it was tough stuff from the start for Joe. And, yeah, just pulled it out of nowhere. It's incredible. Yeah, and I must admit, nothing against Joe Poe, but I, I kind of do keep thinking, uh, his run will probably end here. Probably won't go past this one. And even during matches, I, I just need to convince him because he just has had so little time. He did, of course, reach that Masters final. We, we should say that. But generally, you know, to be at the business end of big events, it seemed like a thing of the past. And actually, Michael McMullen did a very good interview with him on Eurosport. Michael kind of pushed him a bit about whether he thought those days had gone. And I think it would have been quite easy for, you know, Joe to sort of say, oh, no, I think as a player, you, you always hang on to it and you always have that belief. But he was kind of honest and said, actually, you know, I thought it pretty much had gone. And, and that gave tonight such a, a kind of romance about it. And, you know, I don't know what you made of the final. It was kind of a curious one, really, where Trump in some ways never got going. But I've already made the point on social media that I almost think it's not really a big night for Trump analysis. It's just kind of all about the winner. But at 5-5, five, five, uh, Perry just sort of pulled away and never really showed nerves, did he? He just you know, took the bull by the horns, you know, even when that, you know, last one, they always say that's the one to get over the line is the toughest, but there were no real signs of that. He just looked so smooth and we know he was feeling quite unwell at times in his semi-final, that had gone and he just had that lovely, relaxed demeanour, almost like, you know, being in finals was commonplace for him. Yeah, well, he is obviously tremendously experienced, but not really experienced at that stage of tournaments, but it looked like he'd, uh, he'd used all the experience for in the right way rather than getting nervous because, yeah, as you say, it was very, very calm. Um, and I, I think he, he spoke about this afterwards in the Eurosport interview. He'd, he'd really sort of fallen out of love with Snook for a bit. And he mentioned it at the UK Championship, I think he said, when he was punditing, wasn't he? And he said, oh, I'd rather be doing this than playing matches, yeah. which is not a great sign for your snooker career, is it? Um, but he said he's... He says doing that and he's been doing some coaching and it's taken sort of the pressure off and it's allowed him to enjoy his practice a bit more uh, and he's taken practice a bit more seriously and uh, it really showed, yeah. And I think having this sort of enjoyment of the game back helped uh, all the way through that, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. You don't want to take anything away from um, the winner here, but he, he was handed a fair amount of like, he was just in the balls a lot when he came to the table, wasn't he? Judd was leaving him on, uh, not just sort of fluffing his own line. Sometimes he, Joe would be coming to the table with a decent chance quite often. So um, it's never easy, bloody hell, in a, in a ranking final, getting over the line, especially when you're not used to it. But um, Judd didn't make it the most difficult. I, I think that's fair to say. 
No, that, that, that is certainly a, a fair way of saying it. This is a, a second ranking event win then for Joe Perry. And as we said, the, the first in the UK. And you can see why he's saying, you know, that this is by, by a mile his biggest moment. He's been in that Masters final, of course, losing to Ronnie. But this, you know, is a, is a new thing, really, to be in a home race and easily, really, the most kind of prestigious and historic, you know, by some way of, of the home nations. And, you know, I think the, the crowd there and everyone watching will, will just have enjoyed it so much because, you know, he, he is such a sort of valued part of the snooker community. You know, I think I heard a couple of the, you know, the guys on commentary say he just loves it. You know, when you mm-hmm. see him at events, he's one of the first there to, to be sort of, you know, holding court in the players' room and, you know, he's one of the boys, really, and he's never lost that love. And, well, I say that, as you rightly said, in, in recent times, he kind of has been. Yeah, I've forgotten that at the UK. That was on the BBC, wasn't it? And again, totally honest from him, I think it was Ken Doherty within that afternoon, actually, on, on Punditry, because that was the day that Ken told that anecdote about seeing Willie Thorne, um, the late Willie, now in the commentary box, thinking, oh, no. He's going to be he's going to be tearing apart my every move here. It was a lovely conversation actually about that transition from playing to to, to sort of working in the, in the media. And yeah, Joe Perry was like, you know what? I'm really enjoying it. You know, I'm almost you know more than playing. And that's not right, really. This is Joe Perry's words, not mine. But that's the way it's going. And but maybe he needed that kind of step away. And you know, there's another part of of snooker or another part of you know this community. You know, he's very good at doing that media work. I'm sure he'll do a lot more of it. Maybe he needed that kind of distance a bit for a while to, to almost relax himself. And it's, it's a bit sort of, you know, without going too much into the sort of psychology, it's kind of typical of life generally, I think, maybe even beyond snooker, that when you think something has gone and when you almost least expect it, that's when it comes, you know. It's not, mm-hmm. not saying, you know, he was trying immensely, but maybe, you know, when he went into the week, you know, his expectations were a little bit low. People were always telling me, Phil, lower your expectations. <laughs> Hard thing to do, but I think it probably is important. Maybe it's all that, you know, and having a bit of that distance recently all resulted in this in this brilliant week for him. Because as you say, I said the same thing about Fan last week, actually. Obviously, that was a, a much bigger shot. But you know, it wasn't like he had a couple of really hard ones at the end, but, a, you know, maybe the draw opened up for him. He had really hard players, didn't he, throughout? I mean, uh, terrific players, you know, all, pretty much all higher than in the rankings would they be, I think, looking at this. Uh, you know, certainly nearly all of them, if not all of them. And, you know, some of the best players in the game there in, in Kyron Wilson, Mark Allen, you know, Ricky Walden has been in such good form. Um, you know, Lizowski would have been favourite, wouldn't he? I'm pretty sure for, for that semi. But again, you know, Perry just showing all the mastery. What I did love about Judd, tonight was quite a good comedy form I thought but also you know he really voiced that feeling that I'm sure will be throughout the players room of course many of them in Turkey now I'm sure there'll be a lot of happiness there tonight that Joe's one of the nicest people in snooker he was saying and and that's kind of the impression you get so players fans officials this will really go down well won't it yeah definitely and the sort of I think everyone else, if they'd have asked, would have said the same thing. You know, Joe's a great player, but they were asked to make a prediction. I don't think they would; any, many would have been tipping him to win a big ranking title again, um, just for the reasons we said. So it is, it is a lovely fairy tale story, as, as you said. And 
yeah, there's a nice symmetry about it as well. I mean, it, it's the 30th uh, anniversary of the Welsh Open, isn't it? And it's 30 years since he's been on tour. He was the, the sort of lesser-known character in the class of 92, isn't he? So it all it all comes together very nicely. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, he's sort of known as a bit of a moaner on tour as well, like, like a lot of players are, but uh, it's all out of love, really. Like, if you, some of those people that... It, it sounds like whinging quite a lot, but if you asked him, he, he'd always say how much he loves the game. Um, so yeah, it's it's Judd, Judd was very gracious in, def, in defeat, um, and he echoed what a lot of people would say that it was great to see. And like you said before, his emotional scenes with with the Perry family, it was great. I'd actually, I'm not sure I realised. I saw Phil Seymour's interview with him afterwards, and how um, Joe's dad had been very very ill a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, actually, like so, like close to losing him, and they they battled through that, and he's back to, back to good health again. Um, so it was an especially emotional time for that reason, because um, despite the whole career placement thing, he he really didn't think he he might not get to share this with his dad again. So yeah, lovely scenes. There was a lovely, uh, I want to call it a dad moment, a bit of a human moment, but a lovely dad moment. I thought when. The camera went to Joe's parents. His dad was like, no, no, oh, no. I don't know if you saw that, Phil, but <laughs> it's almost a bit too much. Take it away from me. Yeah. my son now. And obviously, they were, you know, living and breathing every moment would have been terribly nervous, but that was lovely. I mean, we see so many wonderful, you know, trophy shots, don't we, with players and, the, you know, the, the people that mean the most of them in the world. And that was just a, you know, just a lovely shot, I thought there Joe with his parents you, you say about 92 there well, I think at some stage I wanted to mention John Virgo how much I enjoyed him this week I mean he was making the point tonight you know very entertaining at time of course and uh, that's a long time between drinks he said at one stage <laughs> I thought classic Virgo moment there but he was sort of saying you know that's quite illustrious company that he was in there in 92 these things are hard to win and you know it must it must be hard in a way when you're part of that kind of class, but obviously you know we never put him in that you know particular bracket. Uh, you know to to think that you know he's been a pro as long as that you know those most famous and brilliant of three players, but obviously with a lesser career, but still a very fine and distinguished career. So it's kind of nice, isn't it? It's like hang on, I'm the same age. I've been around for just as long. And I can still put, you know, wins on the board. And it's another one, Phil, for the 40-somethings. You know, yeah. there's a lot of nuance at the moment, isn't there? We, You know, we think, are the young ones taking over? They're doing brilliantly. You know, the older ones say, don't forget us. There's, there's a lovely sort of balance at the moment, isn't there? Oh, it's all going on, yeah. I mean, it had sort of felt for a bit, the last couple of seasons, obviously, Judd was sweeping up so many titles and Neil and Mark and Ronnie always pick up a few here and there. So it, it did look like if you were picking tournament winners before tournaments, you were looking at quite a small band of players, really. But this season's gone absolutely mad. Um, you know, last week we had a 21-year-old who no one was tipping to be a ranking event winner anytime soon. Now we've got a 47-year-old who no one was tipping to be a ranking event winner anytime soon. I know he has one in the past, but no one was doing it. Uh, no one was expecting it to be now. Um, we've had... Yeah, an ex- Jared and Tong was very unexpected. Dave Gilbert won his first one at the start of the season. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's gone from what looked like 
you know, a handful of players that you'd expect to win events. And of course, they're still the favourites for events, of course, but, you know, it's carnage now. Try picking these winners before events is impossible. Yes, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> I think sometime during this day, actually, you know, uh, the job for the likes of Adrian Humphreys and George Wayham and Richard Mann, who are guys that pretty much do that for, for a living or, you know, at least some of them are sidelined, you know, it's not very easy at the best of times, but at the moment it's bloody hell. You know, I know it's another, I know that they don't just pick tournament winners. They pick all kinds of bets, but you know, to, to nail those guys that are going to go deep or win tournaments, I mean, good luck. You can be, the, you can be Nostradamus and you, <laughs> you couldn't call yeah. this, you know, but so. if, you, if you do call it, you, you win an awful lot, a lot of money, but yeah, it's not very likely. And listen, also another thing I was thinking, and I love, we've been saying this for a few weeks now, the old player of the season, Phil, you know, it might all come down to the crucible, of course, and maybe it often does. But, you know, this is after a few years of Chard and then maybe obviously Selby a few times. This is, you know, really up for grabs, isn't it? We're going to have to we're going to put some we're going to do that thing. We don't really like doing much, Phil, put a bit of work into this. Us journalists yeah. at the end of the season we're thinking, who on earth are we going to vote for? It's going to go right down to the wire. <laughs> Yeah, because I think it just you have to consider things like expectations. You know, you know, if, if say if someone like Neil Robertson has what you would deem overall a better season than someone like a Joe Perry, but you know your expectations of Joe Perry are so much lower than they would be of Neil Robertson. It all comes into into discussions. But I'm not saying Joe Perry is the player of the season yet, but you never know if he could be peaking at the right time. Good run in Sheffield. It's not out of the question. He's one of. He's one of potentially five or six strong candidates. That, that's what I'm saying at the moment. Shouting Tom maybe could, as you say, because it's all about expectations still be leading, but it, it's an interesting one. We should maybe go back a little bit to Phil and talk about some of the earlier stories in the Welsh Open and then maybe sort of go roundabout and return to Joe Perry. I mean, our hearts continue to go out to, to Mark Selby. He did a very, I thought, moving interview Um with Rachel Casey and Neil Folds on Eurosport. I mean, I think we all kind of a little bit surprised by the extent to now how Mark is clearly struggling. And he's very open about how many years, you know, he's been, you know, really battling for, which puts into perspective some of the great triumphs he's had, frankly. But he's now decided, you know, losing in this event to Liam Highfield, that he will now take a break. We won't see him again until Sheffield. Listen, obviously, he, he's probably best placed, him and the people work, working with him, to know this. I know at one stage he was saying, actually, he quite likes playing because it's a bit of a distraction. But now, mm-hmm. taking some time off. But we, we really wish him well, everyone in Snooker does, because it, it's painful to see him, you know, a top guy, Mark, and a brilliant servant for this sport. It's, it's painful to see him struggling. It really is, yeah. You don't want to see anyone going through anything like that. Um, and it's been, it's been incredible of him to sort of talk so openly about it. But... Um, yeah, whatever he needs to do, whatever he thinks best. I was quite surprised he's been playing anyway. Um, he, he said that he was going to tournaments without much expectation or anything, but as he said, it was it was better than sort of sitting at home because, uh, you know, this the snooker's these guys' lives, aren't they? They spend, they're wrapped up in it the whole time, practising or touring around, playing at tournaments. So, um, you know, he's not, he's not doing a lot else. So it was a distraction, but... Um, clearly, he, he doesn't think it's that helpful one at the minute. So, hopefully, uh, some time off will help, and uh, we'll see how he is when he comes to Sheffield. But um, we'll all be hoping for a, 
uh, Mark Selby as close to full fighting fitness as possible because uh, anything less would, you know, be a real shame. But or snooker aside, though, I mean, that's irrelevant, really. Um, we just hope he gets better. Absolutely, absolutely. Of course, you know, even this you know, great game that we love talking about, you know, week in, week out, you know, is in the grand scheme irrelevant compared to Mark's mental health. And let's, you know, of course, all wish him well. Well, there was also a win for Julian Boyko, wasn't there, Phil, over Liam Davis before he lost to Mark Allen. And obviously, Julian's saying, you know, he's finding it almost impossible to really focus on snooker uh, due to the situation in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, that that's putting everything in perspective uh, for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's only 16, isn't he? I mean, you keep forgetting because he's been around a couple of years now, but he was 14 when I think he got given his card, which um, forget how young he is. But, um, yeah, he doesn't get many wins, and that would have been a real emotional one. Because it wasn't he 3-0 down, I think, against Liam Davis. I know he's only a, a teenager himself, but, um, yeah, so incredible that he can do anything, really. And then he, he was on Good Morning Britain, wasn't he? I mean, not the circumstances you want to be getting publicity, but um, there it is. I mean, a 16-year-old uh, snooker player live on uh, ITV, one of ITV's biggest shows, I guess. So not what he wanted to be talking about, but uh, some publicity for him there. Yeah, indeed. And a note about the WPBSA as well, Chairman Jason Ferguson intervening to fund accommodation for you know, uh, some of the players, including Anton Kazakov, while this situation is going on. So uh, a really nice touch there. And I think, to be honest, snooker does that pretty well, actually, when it comes to, you know, the, the stuff of life and the tough stuff of life, be it mental health, be it, you know, what is clearly a, a horrific situation, you know, going on currently with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, I think, you know, they tend to get the right, notes in the right order if you know what I mean and we, sh we should we should acknowledge that and give credit yeah 100% yeah that was a very admirable thing to do from Jace Ferguson and WPBSA um, and it's one of those things that it, you can't imagine them doing anything else you know sending these young young players back to Ukraine but not everyone does do the right thing in their situation so yeah hats off to those guys for sorting that out because uh, I'm sure those guys will be very very grateful Indeed, a couple of early results of note as well. Ali Carter uh, beating John Higgins 4-2. Rachel said she had a bit of a of a sneaking feeling for Ali Carter, didn't, didn't she? Not a bad little prediction when she came on here. And, uh, well, sort of difficulties with Sean Murphy continuing uh, losing 4-0 to Ryan Day. Uh, quite a few of the Welsh players had decent runs, actually, uh, not going all the way, but... Um, certainly keeping home interest alive for, for quite a long time. I have got the results here from the last uh, 16 uh, stage and plenty of interest uh, in them. Uh, Hossein Bafai beating Ryan Day, ending his run in the end at 4-3. Now, sometimes, Phil, without naming names, with some of the shootout winners, it's always been that feeling of, uh, you know, it's either a bit of a last hurrah or it's the biggest moment, or it's that kind of flagship success. But you have a feeling that this is kind of going to spark something more substantial in Hussein, eh? Yeah, I think he's been one of those players that's been spoken about for a while that is, is on the way up and can certainly play at a high level to what he has been. So, yeah, it, we, again, we say this with, with successes sometimes. 
will this be the thing that opens the door and puts them up a, a rung on the ladder? Um, and this could be for Hussein. He's, he's looking good. Um, so, yeah, maybe it is. Uh, well, we'll get onto this in a bit, but when he does eventually lose in this tournament, he, he took that very well and was immediately looking at the positives and he just seemed like a very positive person. Um, so, yeah, he, he could be well-placed to capitalise on that shootout result. Indeed. And we saw Zhang Ander beating Matthew Stevens, another home hope for 4-2. Uh, Ali Carter saw off Scott Donaldson 4-2. Uh, Judd Trump beat Jimmy Robertson 4-1. Really good match, Ricky Walton, and Ronnie O'Sullivan. I mean, one of those, you always think, hey, you don't get that many good best of sevens, but you still can get them. And that, <laughs> you know, yeah. we wish that went on for longer. That was... Um, I mean, I, I said it a lot on social media that night. When Ricky Walden's firing, it's just lovely to watch. He's such a languid style about him. And someone else pointed out he like stalks the balls. And I thought that was a good way of saying it. He, <laughs> the way he moves around, like, you know, I, I really like watching him. And uh, I also thought Ronnie deserves credit. He had so much snooker the last couple of weeks. He scrapped away day after day. And I think earlier that day, he was saying how tired he was, and it wasn't lip service. You can see he's just worn out, frankly. So that was a really good match. Yeah, Roddy played really well in that. I think he had four 50 breaks um, and only won three frames, which is remarkable. Um, but yeah, Ricky, Ricky's in great form. Uh, he's not scared of anyone. Um, and yeah, it was quite surprising that he didn't sort of go further than he did after that. Uh, but it was it was a great game, played really in a nice spirit and everything. They had a nice chat at the end and uh, yeah, it was just good stuff. But um, yeah, it would have been, it would have been remarkable if Ronnie had gone on much further than that. I, I agree. He, he, he was saying that he just sort of was freewheeling and cause he wasn't expecting much cause he was so tired. You never fully sure how much to take from that, but you're right. He did, he did genuinely look like he could do with a rest. So uh, yeah, he wouldn't have been too disappointed. And uh, yeah, Ricky, is probably is he going to be in the tour championship? It probably is going to be now, which shows uh, what an incredible season he's had. I think he's pretty much got got in there, actually. I think now, which yeah, as you say, that's the ultimate sign, isn't it? In so many ways, that you know how brilliantly he's he's been doing, and he, you know, he, he's he's you know really saying that he's almost back at he feels he's almost back at when he was at his best in the past. He, he mm-hmm. that's how confident he, and comfortably starting to feel. Well, there was a good win for Joe Perry, who was on the way to winning the title, beating Kyron Wilson 4-1. Uh, Jack Lazowski beat Michael White 4-0. And Neil Robertson beat Ben Wollaston 4-1. Then we moved on to the quarterfinals. And, uh, well, a real fighting win for Lazowski, actually, beating Ali Carter 5-4. Lazowski 4-2 down in that one. I saw the decider, actually. Lazowski played very well in that. And then Judd Trump 5, Neil Robertson 3. And unfortunately... Uh, Bill, that was the afternoon where all of us that love sport and indeed many, you know, beyond the love of sport, because he, he transcended that, uh, totally shocked by the news of the death of Shane Warne, the, the legendary Australian cricketer and genuinely one of the great sports people any of us have ever seen in our lives. Robertson was clearly affected by that. I just scribbled down some quotes from him, actually, from that day. Robertson said, I was hit by a truck with the news leaving my hotel about Shane Warne. He's a national hero, an idol of mine growing up as a kid. I was fortunate enough to meet him. My arm felt really heavy. My head felt very heavy on my shoulders. I couldn't concentrate. 
all of Australia will be in absolute mourning, devastated. This is like when Maradona died for Argentinians. It's as bad as it gets. I'm stunned. It completely drained me of any energy today. Now, I know this is a snooker pod, but, you know, I think it's fair to say we will go off another tangent when it's appropriate. And I've been, you know, taken by people in my own life that have said they've been quite shocked by how much the war news has affected them, because I think he was such a, a kind of hero, really. And Derek Pringle, the former England player who writes for the newspaper I write for, Metro, wrote an online uh, column for us in the last couple of days. And he was sort of saying, and I, I agree with this, you almost think those almost seeming superhuman characters are impervious to the kind of grim realities of life, I think, as Derek put it. So they're, they're such a shock. I mean, he didn't just leave us years early, but decades early, really, mm-hmm. Shane worn. So terrible news. But for Neil, obviously, Australian. And, you know, as he said, he, you know, just an idol for him growing up. He was so clearly affected. Yeah, um, that game was was sort of built up. It looked like it was going to be an absolute blockbuster, and it was it was sort of underwhelming, but for obvious reasons, from Neil's part. Yeah, that that hit me um, to that one. Uh, he, he was he was a bit of a hero of mine growing up. I was a big cricket fan, and uh, he, he sort of he he just was like a sort of on a different level completely to anything that you got to watch when you were watching the England team in the 90s, especially in the early 90s. He would just turn up and do things that seemed impossible, um, but in, in such a fun sort of character as well. It was, you know, he had that sort of, some people who dominate sports have that sort of ro- roboticness to them. That they're just so good because they're so dedicated and you don't get much out of them. But he was the opposite. He could do those things that seemingly no one else could, but with the, the opposite of a robotic nature about him, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, obviously it came out of nowhere. So, so, so out of the blue. Couldn't believe it when I first saw it. Um, so yeah, awful really um, for everyone who had anything to do with Shane Warne in, 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 the, in the smallest terms of just watching on the TV. I got to see him live a couple of times. First time I ever went to a test match was uh, I saw him bowling in about 1997. And then uh, I went to Trent Bridge during that famous 2005 Ashes series when he very nearly embarrassed us. And we just scraped over the line um, with uh, Ashley Giles and Matthew Hoggard. So did get to see the great man in, in the flesh a couple of times. And uh, yeah, incredible stuff. And a, a very sad day that was. Yes, I was lucky enough to see Shane Warne on, on quite a few occasions. I remember that day. Ashley Giles got the winning runs. England were wobbling. Did yeah. they, they got there with seven down in the end, didn't they? Uh, but the other one that comes to my mind in you know more more recent times is that Adelaide test where it looked like it was going absolutely nowhere, but Warne just won it. I don't think I've ever seen a bowler in my life that genuinely you could say, you thought they could take a wicket with every ball, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's a ludicrous thing to say, but you really could, you know, see it. He never switched off, did he? He was, he was, he was remarkable. Yeah, and people, you'd see how terrified they were of him. It was so rarely were they. You thinking, oh, they're going to, they're not even looking to score runs. They're just looking to not embarrass themselves. Um, but yeah, just superb. Uh, and yeah, inspiration for loads of people. I mean, I. I tried to bowl leg spin when I was a kid at school because I liked Shane Warne. Couldn't do it, but that made me try. <laughs> and I'm sure that was the case for, you know, obviously people in Australia, but across the world. No, indeed. Indeed, Phil. It, it was a really sad day, I think, for all of us that, that love sport. And I say people people beyond. He wasn't a saint. 
he was no saint. You'd admit that himself. But <laughs> in, in in sporting terms, he was a a behemoth, really, and he, you know be remembered for generations to come. Um, elsewhere in those quarterfinals, Joe Perry on the way to the title, as we know now, uh, beat Ricky Walden at five two, and Hossein Bafai beat. Uh, Zhang and at 5-4. Well, I think the semi-finals at some events this season have been a bit underwhelming, actually, funny enough, but this was the opposite. What did we do to deserve a Saturday like that, Phil? My goodness. Judd Trump, 6. Hossein Bafai, 5. Really good match, actually. Trump was 5-3 down. I wasn't convinced by Hossein in that decider, but to me, two or three more of those matches under his belt, he might have nailed that. He got so close... You know, I almost don't want to be critical at all because he had a superb tournament and a superb match that day. But maybe Trump's little bit of experience and metal as a champion saw him home. Yeah, it did, it did seem like he he did miss an opportunity. But I mean, a couple of great breaks from Judd to take it to the decider, weren't they? Um, and I think he had a really interesting interview afterwards, and he said he he was really down on himself and. He spoke to his brother just before those two frames, I think it was, who sort of G'd him up. And um, you can tell that his sort of belief and confidence has been rocked in over the last few months. Um, and he's looked good enough to get over the line regardless. But yeah, Hussein, he did say he was disappointed immediately afterwards. But then a few seconds later, he said, but I'm very happy. It's a great result. It's all positive. My career is going the right direction. So uh, it was, it was, that was a great reaction, I thought. It was like, don't, don't pretend you're not disappointed but immediately then look on the positive side. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it, it slipped away from him a little bit, but yeah, he's definitely going the right direction. And I just, I got the one year ranking up and I think actually Hussein getting to the semis, just just him to number eight for the Tour Championship and knocks Ricky down to number nine. So there's very, there's very little in it. So there's time for some more jostling before the Tour Championship, but certainly that, that last spot, is uh, is up for grabs, and you wouldn't have you wouldn't have tipped either of those really, would you? Frankly, you know, to the start of the campaign, but it's been one of those you know terrific ones in terms of you know different kinds of results and you know players like Ricky coming back and mm. I'll say really establishing themselves. It's been excellent, and the other semi was good as well, very good. Joe Perry six, Jack Mazowski five. I mean, Joe was really struggling with that headache, wasn't he? You could see it in mm. frame, so that made that you know decider and winning it even the more impressive eh yeah definitely yeah. I I did know he had sort of back problems and how so many snooker players do but when he was talking about how he only sleeps three hours a night and then gets another three hours in the day um yeah that's sounds horrible <laughs> it sounds really unpleasant and uh yeah he hadn't got his nap so he was really struggling with headaches and uh yeah he was he was nowhere near his best and Jack didn't play great either. It was, but it was one of those sort of. It didn't matter that the standard wasn't that great. It was very engaging. You knew how much it meant for for both players, um, and they were both struggling away. And it looked like Jack was going to do what he did to Ali Carter in the quarterfinals. It was just incredible uh, win for him, bouncing back from far behind, uh, played great at the end. He made a couple of big breaks to take it to his decider again, um, but then yeah, it was Joe that did it and. Uh, yeah, incredible what he got through because it sounded it sounded miserable. He said he didn't enjoy it at all. And it must have been one of the biggest wins at that point. Obviously, he topped it the next day. But at the time, it must have been one of the biggest wins he had for ages. And he said, he just sounded like he hated every second of it. But yeah, great work. It really was. And then it culminated in 
a really special final. Today, Sunday, we're speaking late in the evening after the conclusion of the final uh, and Joe Perry winning it, beating Judge Trump at 9-5. Smashing week generally, Phil, and we should point out, I was quite critical of of food. My timing could have been better, Phil. I was quite critical of, of, of food and general um, you know, how, how available it can be at venues. And then, of course, apparently it was brilliant. We, we must make reference of how, uh, how good everyone is telling us the venue at Newport uh, has been. In fact, we got a couple of emails uh, along those lines, haven't we, sir? Yeah, so um, it wasn't the same venue I went to last year at Calic Manor. It's, uh, it's just sort of next door. It's called the Ice Arena, isn't it? So not actually been in there but um yeah everyone was saying how how excellent it was um his his friend of the podcast Kelly Barker who got down there for the first few days um hi guys she says on email uh, just caught up with last week's podcast before the Welsh Open final starts this afternoon interesting discussion on the venues and how the catering of food and drink often isn't good enough if you're there all day I was at the first three days in Newport and the new venue the ICC was superb in every way it was a lovely arena with a great view wherever you were sat i mainly sat up near the back in the middle of the four tables and could watch everything what made it even better though was that there were so many different food options and so many different bars and stalls to buy things from even a water filling station in the main foyer which was a nice touch the weather wasn't great so once i was in the venue each morning i never needed to leave until close of play at night a superb venue that i enjoyed visiting very much and will be back next year for sure more venues like this would be amazing. So yeah, I and mean, that was uh, exactly what I wouldn't say complaints, but what you're saying problems in other venues. Um, it just seemed like it had, uh, was much better than elsewhere in in Newport. I'm just trying to find our other bit of correspondence on this point as well. I should point out, by the way, what before you find it, it's from John Hill actually in South Wales. If that helps with your search there, but basically. I, I, you know, I did, I did hear from people saying actually, uh, it, it was pretty bad in Wolverhampton and, and and pretty awful from what I heard in Bolton, and, and you know, from, from a few people. So listen, every venue is different, and it's not always easy to find the best ones. But it seems like, even though this was, you know, it's a fair way out of Newport, uh, so maybe you know, it didn't have that city centre vibe, but nevertheless, you know. From what I saw from pictures and videos, it looked really lovely, kind of very modern and just a lovely ambience about it. So it's good to good to make that point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, this is here's John, who's in South Wales. Um, just a quick word of praise for the new Welsh Open venue at the ICC in Newport. I think WST has got it spot on with this one. From a fan perspective, it had everything. Easy to get to, good parking, decent food and drink on site, and a modern feel to it. Also, it gives good access to see the players coming and going which is a special part of our sport that we should all cherish. I hope it returns here for many years to come. Keep up the good work. Cheers, John. So, yeah, yeah that's great to hear. Um, yeah, as I say, I went to Celtic Manor last year. And it's right next door. Um, so you get to see that place as well, which is great. But, yeah, so I heard some other things on Twitter and other commentators that were there talking about it. And, uh, yeah, it seems like good reviews all round. Indeed, and I think it was a, a successful tournament in, in, in many ways. Enjoyed the coverage, a very different kind of coverage, really, from BBC, uh, the team from BBC Wales and, and from Eurosport. And I did think tonight was, was great because you had Joe, you had um, John Virgo on one channel and David Hendon on another. And I thought, you know, that's uh, 
Yeah. Other good voices as well, Joe Johnson, of course, Darren Morgan and, you know, Dominic Dale throughout the day, all, all top voices. But I think those two, um, you know, have that kind of, you know, I haven't said this word for a while, Phil. Is it time? I think I know what's coming. Yeah, go for it. They have that gravitas that I think is appropriate on the night like this. Absolutely. Tell you what, Dave Hendon, obviously, stat, he's stats guru, stats whiz. And he, he blew my mind with one when he came out with, I think it was during the semi-final, and he said, Joe Perry's won more deciders at the Welsh Open than any other player. I think it was 15 or 17 or something. I, but how, I don't know how that is, how he's got that, dug that out, but superb work. Very good indeed. Very impressive. And I'll tell you something else very impressive, Phil. The Snooker Roadshow, it goes on. Lots of um, players and officials, some of our fellow journalists are in Antalya and it, uh, it does look very pleasant there. It's been a lovely sunny weekend there, unlike the old freezing cold London and no doubt freezing cold Sheffield where you've been. It's been a right old brass monkeys, but not, nothing, nothing wrong with the, the weather in Turkey. And, uh, well, we're looking forward to the tournament underway this morning, uh, Monday morning uh, in, uh, in Turkey and... Well, there were some interesting matches uh, early on uh, to look forward to. Kyron Wilson playing at Roy McLeod on this first day. Uh, and it's uh, John Higgins, Dylan Emery. I've got written down here. Uh, Judd Trump's got Michael Giorgio. Xiao Gudong, who's got Ollie Lines. And then it's uh, Joe Perry, the hero of the hour, against Liang Wenbow. A uh, repeat of an old world final, Mark Williams, Matthew Stevens. Uh, Yan Bing Tao's got Joe O'Connor and uh, Sean Murphy's playing Lou Haoshan. That's um, just some of the many highlights to look forward to. Obviously, you know Mark Selby. Uh, sadly, also know Neil Robertson, who's pulled out. We already knew you know Ronnie O'Sullivan. So some of the biggest stars aren't, aren't there, but many of the biggest stars are. And that venue looks uh, pretty special. We're going to we'll look forward to a grand week and, and, and more snooker watching. Our eyes will get even squarer, Phil. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one because the time difference, uh, if you go on sort of the sessions thing on WST, that is local time where it says 11 o'clock. So the early morning start is 8 o'clock. So that's going to be nice to have the cornflakes to have some top-level snooker action on the TV uh, on Eurosport all week. Um, and, yeah, it's a shame those those uh, sort of three out of the top four seeds aren't there, but it opens up a great opportunity. As I said, tour championship places on the line and... Uh, you know, form heading to the World Championship. There's 100 grand on the line for the winner, 45 grand for runner-up, uh, 20 for the semi-final. So um, there's opportunities there for players who uh, might not necessarily win very very often. Although there are people like Judd Trump and John Higgins, Mark Williams, Kyron Wilson there. So there are people who do know how to win. Um, but yeah, plenty to look forward to. And uh, we have had a we have had a round of qualifying. So that's why some of these first round matches look a bit sort of spicier than maybe they should do. But the ones you mentioned there, some really some really interesting ones, yeah, that's for sure. And there'll be a couple of Turkish wildcards playing as well. So I'll, I'll be honest, I have no idea how good they are, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, and coverage will, of course, uh, be on Eurosport and uh, we'll enjoy watching that for the next week and review it in our next episode. Well, the um, much-trailed Ray Reardon programme was on, wasn't it, in, in recent days, Phil? The, the Welsh master a documentary on iPlayer, and the overall headline was, it was very good, very well made, very warm, moving in parts. Ray Reardon talking about you know, his, his background, his life as a miner, 
uh, in particular. And, uh, well, it's quite extraordinary life, actually. Obviously, you know, because of the age he, he was and is, you know, he didn't become professional till quite late, but had a, had a you know, a, a sparkling career. And what comes over with him is, Phil, he, he hasn't, and I think we saw this in God's of Snooker, didn't we? He hasn't lost that winning mentality and that kind of fierce determination. I mean, maybe it's not a surprise. You probably don't lose it. But, you know, even at his pretty grand old age now, he's got that kind of almost sort of champion look about him, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he seems to have a great sort of, uh, not just personalities, but broadly, but um, yeah, a great sparkle in his eye, which he had in God's of Snooker as well. Uh, seems to have a good sense of humour. Um, always immaculately dressed. I don't know if that's just for when the TV cameras are there, but he's always got a very sharp suit on. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I really enjoyed that. It could have been, could have watched a much longer one. Uh, I mean, they didn't sort of, I'd love to know what it was, his police career was like and stuff like that because he was doing that for quite a while, wasn't he? And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think we both agreed it was it was a slightly odd start with the 82 final, wasn't it? But uh, I, I'm not sure why they did that. But then from there on in, I found myself just sort of like sitting there with a grin on my face, chuckling away. And then, because uh, bits were quite funny. Um, and then it was almost quite emotional at the end, really. Um, the bit with Ronnie was really nice. Um, and yeah, I, it was a great half hour. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I instantly thought the eighty-two thing was was possibly down to footage um, because you know there wouldn't have been much, little or maybe none even of some of the Ray Reardon World Title wins. I also thought that ultimately Alex Higgins is good copy, but yeah, I didn't think it was in, entirely positive. We actually had an email from Ray Morgan who says. I watched the excellent Ray Reardon documentary on BBC Wales, and that's the overall headline, but there is a negative angle here. I admire what, what I admire what he's achieved coming from humble beginnings. However, I thought it was bad form towards the end of the programme to infer that Alex Higgins was, quotes unquote, a different player when he came out at 15 frames all. And quotes, he did drug tests but conveniently lost them. I can't ever recollect Ray mentioning this before or anyone else mentioning it for that matter and he has previously spoken well of Alex I found it very disappointing that he should choose to speak ill now after 40 years because Alex is no longer with us to answer these claims if Jimmy White saw the program I wonder how he feels they were like brothers and he's previously said he wouldn't have taken up the sport if it hadn't been for Alex so snooker would have been the poor with the loss of another snooker genius. Thank you for your contribution to snooker with a podcast. It shows you are both lovers of the game like myself. Kind regards, Ray. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that, really. I, I, a bit out of sync with the rest of the programme. I felt like they were going for a line, and I didn't think it was quite the, pro- the programme that needed a line like that, really. And I have to say... I've been reliably informed by a couple of very, very learned people, some of the most learned people in the game. The actual interval came at 15.14 that night, not 15.15. And also that drug tests weren't actually in, in place at that championship. So mm. it was a, it, it kind of wasn't, it, it was nothing like a sour taste. That's far too dramatic. But, it, you know, we use that phrase, no saint already tonight about Shane Wall. Alex Higgins was no saint. Far from it. But, you know, I, I think it's maybe not the ideal thing for, for Ray Rin to, to talk about that now. 
and to make these sort of suggestions because I don't know really didn't you know for one thing you know he didn't quite get his facts straight and again I didn't think it was really in keeping with the rest of the program but I don't want to make it a negative thing it was a very very good program overall but there was it didn't quite sit entirely well I think not just from from our correspondent Ray Morgan here but a few people kind of making the same point yeah I know when they mentioned the drugs testing I'd, I'd never really thought about that but my initial thought was that seemed a bit odd was that going on then and then we spoke and you you spoke to people who said it wasn't a thing. So it is a bit strange. It all just seemed a little bit unnecessary. And it just didn't quite fit in the in the programme either because they started there, didn't they? And then they went back and it was largely chronological from from his early life on through then. So it was a little bit odd. But, um, yeah, as you say, I don't want to – my abiding memory of it was I really enjoyed the programme, but uh, so I don't want to come across too negative either. But, uh, yeah, it, that was a strange start, and especially if it's – not accurate. Just seems a bit unnecessary, doesn't it? Because, uh, yeah, why? Why do that? <laughs> it's just odd. Yeah, I kind of thought so. Um, by the way, it's on YouTube, so um, I know we have people uh, uh, around um, well, the world listening to us, and you know, it's on iPlayer in the UK. But I have spotted it on YouTube. So if you just search for Ray Ridden or Ray Ridden, the Welsh Master on YouTube, you should be able to see that program. And there's a Doug Mountjoy one coming up, of course, which we told you before. That's um, going to come up later in the spring, all being well uh, to tie in uh, with the World Championship. So I think for now, we'll say any other business, Phil. Is there anything else to think about? We, we've, had a, we've had a lovely, lovely story at the World Show, another tournament to come. It's thick and fast in the season. Sheffield is getting that little bit closer. How, how, how much is Sheffield occupying your thoughts now, Phil? Well, yeah, it's coming there, isn't it? I mean, the Turkish is going to be very interesting because it's brand new, so that's very interesting. And then the Tour Championship is is sort of got such a big status now that there's so much talk about who gets there that that sort of attracts your attention away from the World Championship in a, a good amount because that's such a whopper of an event. But yeah, it's it's so close. It's next month. It's crazy. So uh, yeah, it's going to be the qualifiers more than anything first because you know people like Joe Perry. Are going to have to go qualify, uh, and it's not going to be easy. Even though he's just won a ranking title, and there's going to be all sorts of very, very good players outside the top sixteen. So, um, yeah, that'll that'll be uh, occupying my mind very soon. Did I hear he's up to twenty three in the world? I think I yeah. did, but he, he, yeah, he was uh, again self deprecating. It's what I said about the humility thing. No histrionics. I mean, he's never going to be like that. He's never been like that. But no sort of you know shouting from the rooftops, but. Joking that, you know, he might have got back in the top 40. I you saw that. Nice yeah, yeah. But in fact, he's 23. So, yes, you say he will have to qualify and, uh, you know, it won't, won't be easy for any of them. But that's around the corner. We've got, we got Turkey to come. And uh, let's just finish again by saying, you know, what, what a story. Joe Perry been in the game so long, you know, for three decades and... For some reason, the snooker gods, Phil, have decided mm-hmm. that this night in 2022 is his finest moment and probably will be his finest moment now. Who knows? Who knows? You know, you, you can never say anything the way this bloody season is developing. I've been, yeah. But, you know, it, if it does happen to be his, his best moment, then, then, you know, what lovely way to do it. That new venue, smashing venue, 
famous old tournament. You know, it's just uh, it, it it made you feel all, all warm inside tonight, didn't it? Watching that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, yeah, I think and any ranking event would be great. Any no, it doesn't even have to be a ranking event. Any event would be great. But we we spoke a lot in the build up to this about the sort of the cachet the Welsh Open has. It's a it's a it's a big one. It's a special one. It's a historic one. So I think it's extra nice that it was this one. Um, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the snooker gods. Whenever Ronnie's on Eurosport, he he talks about the snooker gods a lot. And in my mind, as as someone who's there to analyse the game, I think he talks about the snooker gods probably too much because I'm not sure that's much analysis of snooker just to play, just to lay things at the feet of the snooker gods. But uh, he did have quite a funny line about it tonight. But uh, yeah, the snooker gods were shining on Joe Perry definitely this week. Yes. Snooker gods get quite a good looking for things that don't exist, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great to see you, sir. All the best. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. I'll I'll give a shout out. um, I'm not sure when this piece is going live. Hopefully, I might actually write it now. It's very late. Um, But I went to Victoria's Academy in Sheffield earlier this week, um, which was a really good experience. Um, And had a long chat with Victoria herself, who runs the place. uh, Fang Zheng Yi was there sh- shortly after his uh, after his European Masters triumph, and Lucas Kleckers was in there as well, uh, like the day after he'd just played Ronnie in Wales. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And there's a, there'll be a long chat with Victoria, which I'll be publishing possibly in about an hour. <laughs> but we'll this uh, very soon. Keep an eye out on my Twitter for that. Oh yeah, we will. That would be that would be lovely to re- read, Phil. I imagine most players will want to get a bit of a towing in that place wouldn't they even if it's just the ambience i mean it's just it's turning it's turning into kind of a conveyor belt isn't it that's a bit of an ugly way of saying it but you know what i mean it's like um in the moment they're just <laughs> the place yeah, must, no, must be cloud nine there. yeah i mean I, I i sort of wanted to call it like a factory like a champion factory but it's, that makes it feel a bit sort of impersonal that's the opposite because it's very sort of family vibe in there but it's, that's definitely what it's, it's like at the minute and uh I asked who would be the next one, sort of the next cab off the rank, as it were. And she mentioned Zhang Ander, um, who who plays there. And his results have, you know, he's not picked up silverware, but his results have got a lot better the last couple of tournaments. Nearly beat Ronnie, didn't he, in the, in the European? And he, he had a good run in the Welsh. Um, so, yeah, it really is infectious in there at the minute. Cesar Hui won the um, WSF. So, yeah, it's amazing what they do there. And it was really interesting to speak to her. She's quite sort of inspirational person. I came out there with a bit of a spring in my step just by talking to her. So see how it happens. But yeah, hopefully uh, I'll get that across in this piece. So you're not short of inspiration. You've got Michael Holt coaching you. <laughs> You've got wisdom from Victoria. I mean, this is... Um... I'll tell you what, I went and played I went and played a mate the other day. And it was the first time since I went to saw Michael Holt and... I was struggling to put those lessons into into practice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was one of those one uh, a step back to take more steps forward. It's a lot to think about. Okay, uh, good man. Well, well, we we must get a date and say we could could tie it in with the World Championship, but it feels like we'll be so busy sort of covering that. So if not, it'll be, it'll be later in the year. But we will get that the old uh, Tony Mio Trophy will be played for at some stage in 22. and um, Absolutely. I'll be out to get it back. Great to see you. All the best, sir. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone.
Keep your thoughts coming, talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talking snooker, talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talking snooker. Congratulations to Joe Perry and uh, thank you for listening. For now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.